0: the edge of the familiar, where your comfort zone ends
1: and the unknown stretches before you. That's where greatness awaits. Are you ready to take that leap? This is the Risk Big Podcast with your host, Travis Fitzwater. friends welcome again to the risk big podcast i want to tell you really quickly before we get started with our podcast episode about a utility that i've used over the last couple of years that i've really really enjoyed for it's ability to connect me with others and it's a it's a way for me to use my phone to send actual greeting cards in the mail directly to friends families connections acquaintances business partners whoever uh, right, by my, right from my phone and completely custom cards. I can use my own handwriting. I can use my own signatures. I can put in photos from my very own phone. It's a really amazing utility. I do it all from my phone. It's an app that you can use, and I'd love to tell you all about it. All you have to do is um, send me your email at travis at co. We'll put you on our, our list, and we'll send you more details about it. If you're interested in being able to connect with people, sending literal greeting cards custom greeting cards directly to someone's mailbox their physical mailbox it's an amazing tool that's helped me connect with others in, in some significant ways and I would love to tell you more about it so send us your email at travis at that's travis at f-i-t-z-m-e-d-i-a c-o and we will send you more information so I'm sitting here with my really, really good friend, Jason Jett, who's uh, one of my best friends. You'll remember the first season of the Risk Big podcast. I interviewed Gabe Holsey, who started a company a couple years ago, an insurance company. Um, he is one of our close friends as well. Gabe is and Jason Jett, who owns Wetsu Creative. He's been a friend of mine for years. He's a business owner here in Jefferson City, but he, he does work all over the, the Midwest. Um, he's done work for a number of different organizations, but he's an entrepreneurs entre- entrepreneur he's left some jobs he's gone to some jobs but he's just this creative mind that's always been um, that's always been really encouraging to me to, to see his work um, he's very very good at um, graphic design he's very very good at strategy and I'm just really really excited to get to interview him about his business and how he what he had to risk to, to do what he's doing I know um, a couple years ago he left a, a really really good job to Go back into business full time, and that was a significant risk for him and his family. He's had four kids and a wife. Um, so, it's just a story I want to dive into. So, Jason, thanks for joining me. Well, I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm happy that you are here. So, just first of all, you're, you're, you've you're always been so creative, that it almost makes me feel a little bit jealous because I don't have that, like, a cre- necessarily a creative bone in my body. It, like, I have to try really hard. At what point, first of all, did you really realize you had this, like, creative skill, artistic skill? And then when did you re- really realize, hey, I want to do something with that? Um, I've always had it. And
0: um, if you have something, you don't realize that you do or don't have it in a way. And so, you know, my, my mom has always been artistic. And so I got that from her side. Um, so I've always been able to draw. That's where it started. Um, I was always the best artist in the class and then it was in the school and then it was in the high school and then it was in the college that kind of thing so um, my creativity um, comes from being able to to draw really but my mind has always worked creatively it's always always been in that space
1: and you told me stories in the past before when you were you were in was it in college when you would go to you'd go to fairs and and events like that and you'd you do caricatures or...
0: Yeah, I lived the life of a gypsy for one <laughs> summer, which was interesting, and that was all I needed was one summer with that.
1: Um, because you didn't like it, you didn't want to do that. You didn't want to like, run to fairs and make a couple bucks on drawing.
0: So the story on amazing. that was I was in college, and uh, it was in the summertime, and I was needing to make some money. And I really never realized that you could make money in art. Um, I was out of high school before I realized that. Um, basically, I, was, I went to, um, for two years, I went up to William Jewell College in Liberty, Missouri. And I was there, and they had a great arts program. I started out there because I had an aunt who always believed I was going to be a doctor. But truth be told is my worst subject is science. So that didn't work out so well. Like Literally... <laughs> I, can re- I took the biology class there, and I just failed miserably. And so I went to what I was always good at, so I took the art classes. And I aced all those. It was a breeze. I enjoyed it. I loved it. Um, and the great thing that they had there was Hallmark's World Headquarters is in Kansas City, Missouri. So they would have all these amazing artists come over and teach um, college courses there. So that's where I started to realize that you can actually make some money off of being creative and this is the this is the early 90s and so moving fast forward in a couple of years uh, it was a summer in college and it was me and another individual and we went from <laughs> we went from place to place from fair county fair to county fair doing caricatures which it was easy for me to do but by the fifth fair you received the same comments every time and it was you would have people standing behind you saying, oh, that really looks like them, or that looks nothing like them. You know, everybody's an expert. And I was so burned out by the end of that summer. Now it was a good money because it was all cash, and they were just, you know, as fast as you could draw, you'd have a line. Um, but I, since that point, I've never wanted to draw another caricature in my life. <laughs> and that was a long time ago. That was, I don't know, 25 years ago. To the point, like, my sister, she's like, hey, your nephew it would be so sweet if you draw a caricature of him for his birthday and I refuse to do those kind of things
1: <laughs> did you did you learn anything from that like figuring out you wanted to be an entrepreneur or that you wanted to do business because you found like there is maybe money in art or there's money in doing things that I enjoy doing that I never really thought before yeah or, I mean I or lessons learned from that summer the
0: lesson learned is um, there's a smart way to work and then there's a not so smart way to work, you know, like literally. We so you're work. saying
1: caricature, art, artistry is you not. You know, it's good.
0: not a, it's not something you can get a degree in, I believe. Um, and it's nothing that I would want to do my whole life. You yeah. Know, one summer was enough, but yeah, you learned a lot and you got to, you know, you got to, you got to meet a lot of people. It was fun living like a gypsy for a summer or at least on the weekends. Cause you know, we would take a truck and we would, We'd sleep in the truck, and you know you would meet great people. You know you meet a lot of interesting people at fairs, and um, but I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. I love the idea of you can create something of value, and then somebody's interested, and there's a market to where they'll pay you for that.
1: Yeah, and so, so that was a great early experience. And you already knew you're artistic; like you've always had this talent for for art. From there, is it after college, is that when you started Wetsu? How long has Wetsu been? Yeah, so, so the
0: way that happened... And it's it,
1: Wetsu Creative, wetsucreative.com.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's been around since 2002. The way it was started was um, out of college, I worked, began to work for the University of Missouri. Um, I transferred from William Jewell, and I finished my last two years at the University of Missouri and it was a wonderful experience. Um, it was close to home, so coming out of high school, um, I didn't want to be close to home, wanted to go out, but after the, the first two years of college, um, had some great friends who uh, went to the University of Missouri and would go and see them and visit, and just loved it. It's very big, it's large, and it's either sink or swim, and I love that, I, I love um having to do what you need to do to get through college and and go through successfully. Um, So I think by going to the smaller school and then going to a larger school, it made me appreciate it even more. Um, But that's where it started. Um, Then I went to, my first job out of college um, was working for the University of Missouri and it was with the Academic Support Center. And that was a great experience. And what we did was, uh, did any kind of marketing work graphic design for uh, the university for different departments and uh, one of them the big department was uh, Mizzou athletics so late 90s <clears throat> early 2000s I worked there a couple years and so I was working on like baseball campaign basketball football you know and I love sports I was in sports uh, in high school and just loved being around that and so you were able to create the image and the brand for those sports. So that's where it started. And then I left um, for another job. And when I left, the, um, the university kind of followed in a way. Um, had great relationships with the athletic department. So they came, and at that point, they were wanting to start creating media guides. Uh, they've always, they had always done media guides, but it was always done in-house by writers. And they were wanting to create great brand and exposure for the university. So um, they followed, and it was at that point, <clears throat> I had another job, but I was creating uh, media guides for football uh, at night. And I, I was single at the time, so I had a lot of time on my hands, and uh, was able to do all-nighters and those kind of things, and just, just work, work, work tirelessly. And so finished the media guide for football, which it was, you know, 350 pages of making these athletes look amazingly good. Um, At the time, I don't know if it still is, but that was the only thing you could leave behind at a recruits house. So you wanted to – there was a lot of strategies we did there. Uh, We had the thud factor, which was beat Texas, and Texas is always big. So the media guides, we wanted to make a thud when it hit the kitchen table of this recruits house. Or we would put trinkets on top of it to rise it to the top so – top of mind, these uh, young students, athletes, would, would always see the University of Missouri. So that was a great experience. But after doing that first one while working a regular job, it, it was a lot of time, pretty hard. And then they came back as soon as I got finished with that, and they wanted the Mizzou basketball media guy. And so um, at that point, I knew um, I definitely enjoyed it. And this was something I wanted to go towards, so uh, left the other job. That's how what's a creative started, and then hired a few folks who would go out and do sales and would gain new clients. But that's how it how it began. You
1: know the fascinating fascinating thing about your creativity too is the difference between you and me, and and I think it would say a significant way, is that. Like, these these details about marketing and strategies, like the thud factor, I would never come up with that. Like, I would come up with, hey, listen to a magazine, let's try to make it look as nice as possible. But you're thinking through, like, details that have a significant impact, but there they're, they're, they're may be, when you look at it from a broad picture, it's a very small detail, but when you look at it maybe in in, a, in an individual student's life or a recruit's life, it may have a significant impact, the thud factor. Like, thinking through these things, how... Are you just like in your mind and marketing strategies and design? Is it just just so strategic in your mind in that way that these things just kind of fly out, or is there some training that you've you've gotten that's helped you think like how do I how do I how do I get myself to be different than the than the pack?
0: No, I think that's simply just the way my mind works, and um, but it is extremely helpful when you start researching and studying who your target market is, understanding them better. Um, And if your mind already works this way, the more information you can gain, um, the better you can speak or deliver message to those demographics. So um, the research side helps a lot. Understanding the client helps a lot. Understanding the target group you're going after is extremely helpful. But then once you have all that developed, then you can start thinking of creative ways to reach them or be top of mind or be relevant in those spaces.
1: Gotcha. So so you start What's Who Creative, and then um, a couple years later you get married and you kind of start a family, and you're, you are doing all this design work still on the side, and, and you take a couple jobs with a bank and then the Farm Bureau. and Talk about a little bit there why you made that decision and then maybe the transition out of out of that and why.
0: Um, you know, we had... Let's see. We started what's your and I started what's a Creative in 2002, and then we uh, I got married uh, in 2002, so it, it was a busy time. And then we started having kids, um, and then we just started getting real busy. And my wife was um, my wife was actually pregnant with our second. And you know, you put a lot of time and hours into it. And one of our clients was um, Central Bank Holding Company here in Jefferson City. And they had asked if I would be interested um, working as their marketing director here uh, in Jefferson City. And um, the request had been open for several months. And um, the more we thought about it, we thought it may be nice to have a 9-to-5, nine, nine 8-to-5, hour week job um, just as we're having more kids. And so I took that opportunity and worked with um, Central Bank for seven years as their marketing director Uh, for Central Bank their flagship bank here in Jefferson City it's a uh, it's a 2.5 billion dollar bank but then was also on the executive strategic team for the holding company uh, marketing and that was um, uh, was 13 billion dollar entity and uh, just received great experience great folks there Um, it was it was a lot of fun working with a big machine um, working with uh, a company of that size. Um, but, you know, it was always inside me, always wanted to grow more and kind of just see what else I could create. I think when you're creative, you're always looking to create things. And you don't even know what you're trying to create. It's just this urge inside of you to create something. So, um with, left, left the bank, and uh, I always had What's a Creative Run in the background with a handful of great clients that I just love the relationships with, like University of Missouri Athletics, um, Quick Car, uh, Learfield. has always been a, just a wonderful uh, relationship. So I was excited to get back into that, and I've been doing that for the last, uh, it's, I guess it's been five years now.
1: Yeah, going back to your time at Central Bank too. I know we we were we were kind of developing this friendship while you we were still at the bank, and it was kind of fascinating to hear your your story and the struggles with being at the bank. And you were you were the, the neat thing is you told us these stories about competing with the you guys got the contract to be the bank of of the Cardinals and you were doing kind of this fun work. We all love the Cardinals, right? So and, and you especially love the Cardinals. So you're working with the Cardinals and you're in Jefferson City is forty thousand people in the in. 39, something like that in the city area, 40,000 or 80,000 maybe in the county. St. Louis is, you know, has access to millions of people in the suburban areas in the city. And you're competing against them on kind of some marketing opportunities. I remember you telling me about that and it was always really fascinating. Can you talk to me a little bit about the, the, um, the competitions you had there and how you had some successes by being a little bit more creative and then maybe some things that they did that were just like head scratchers that didn't make any sense. <laughs>
0: I, you know, that's going back a ways. So I, I'm just trying to remember some of the things we did. But, yeah, the Central Bank um, was and still is the hometown bank of the St. Louis Cardinals. And so, of course, I grew up with the Cardinals. Love that. Um, that was a lot of fun. But they, they were also, they're they no longer, but they were the, the hometown bank of the Kansas City Chiefs. And so, you know, we would just we would have competitions. There's 13 banks within the holding company. And there would be competitions just on um, trying to beat the other banks. And and so with the Chiefs, you know, we were always trying to beat Kansas City at the time, which was Metcalf Bank. Um, We we have a very strong following in central Missouri because we are the flagship bank. And so um, we would just have competitions of of things we would do from a marketing aspect, from media spins, from just creative ways to, to use channels to direct message about being the hometown bank of the Chiefs of the Cardinals. And, and yeah, with, with with St. Louis, it was competitive because I wanted to win. And I am a very competitive person and um, definitely uh, definitely strive to, to be the best. But we came up, very, we were very close to almost beating St. Louis. And they have such a large market share in St. Louis uh, versus our market share. We were um, uh, pardon the phrase, but we were knocking it out of the park with, with doing it here, but um, specifically like what all we're doing, I, I honestly can't remember. I remember we were wanting to <laughs> put a uh, like a six-foot banner because the Cardinals had just come off winning the World Series in 2011. Mm-hmm. And it was the idea, you see this all over the place at the major cities, but um, we don't do it here downtown, but we were wanting to put a Uh, we were introducing we had just received the contract and we were the official hometown bank so we had mocked up uh, the idea of David Freeze and he's got his home run swing and we were going to put a seven foot banner up uh not seven foot a seven story banner up on the downtown bank here in Jefferson City and we had proposed that. Didn't get that done, but that uh, you know, things like that, kinda out of the box. So not They're...
1: checkbook covers then, that wouldn't that wasn't here. No, your... no not checkbook covers. <laughs> okay. So that's that stuff just fascinates me, the, the differences in, in strategies and thinking and, and how you can how you can be uniquely creative to get a message across. So you so you left the, the bank, you went to Farm Bureau for a little while and then you went back, you took the risk of saying, Hey listen, I know we have four kids, I know we have a growing family and life, life is expensive, but wetsuit is where I need to be, and you went back to doing that full-time. And what, what did that risk look like?
0: You know, it never really felt like a risk to me. I think if you have a certain amount of confidence, um, it doesn't feel like a risk. Uh, or maybe, yeah, I, I would call it confidence. You don't want to be too confident or overconfident. But I have a big belief in myself and my abilities, and, and we had... You know, I had clienteles running in the background, and our clients running in the background. So um, it never felt like a risk to me. As a matter of fact, it, it just felt like a pure joy to be able to do it and get back to what you feel like you should be doing. And when you do that, you find an amount of freedom that's just amazingly nice, and it, it makes life a lot better.
1: Yeah, that's... The there's a you know I think a lot of people say that there's there's freedom in being an entrepreneur and you certainly make your own schedule you know you don't have the eight to five necessarily but you have an office you go into the office during the day you're you're there at typical hours, and you work at night I know that you're we've worked on a number of projects together so you're working all the time on stuff whether you're in your your physical office or you're at home plugging away in your computer, um, but the having having the freedom of not having having the the bosses and the oversight, I think, is is appealing to some, but the the amount of work that you have to do, no no matter what you're in, is is especially in your own business is is significant.
0: Yeah, when I, when I think of freedom, I'm not thinking of freedom from bosses because the reality is, if if you are a small shop and uh, you're an entrepreneur, instead of one boss, yeah, every talks. client you have is a boss, Yeah. and every employee who works for that company is a boss, and so. you've you've literally multiplied your your bosses by ten or a hundredfold. The freedom I'm talking about is really just doing what you're supposed to be doing. And there's a clarity there when you find that. And, um, you know, I got a buddy who said, you know, if you do what you do, you'll never work a day of your life. Well, I think that's kind of the freedom I'm talking about. Yeah. Is, you know, I would happily work 80 hours a week doing what I love because it doesn't feel like work. Although your nose is to the grindstone. Versus you may be working a 40 hour job and if it's not your sweet spot or what you're supposed to be doing, it feels like you're working 80 hours. At least that's the way it is for me. And so that's kind of the freedom I'm talking yeah. about is just doing what you're meant to do. And
1: I'd say that's pretty universal, that feeling, by the way. I think there's a universal truth to the fact that you're, if you do what you love, the time flies. Yeah. You know, when you're doing what you can't stand, it certainly slows down. Right. It feels like time slows down. Yeah. And you can't get you can't get over it. Can you can you tell just because I love your creativity and, and your your ability to put strategies down and make them beautiful? I mean some of your stuff with Mizzou is just awesome seeing some of those some of those campaigns that you did for the, the athletics department and I know we work together with the pharmacy association and seeing the magazines that you designed and all that work. What are some of the, your favorite campaigns, and, and why did you like them so much?
0: You know, I think going back, you, you reminded me about the St. Louis Cardinals, and um, I just love that campaign because I think I was passion, really passionate about it at the time. Um, they had just come off a World Series, which that happened, hadn't happened in a while. Um, and um, just some of the creative that went along with that, it was very simple, very clean, but it was very compelling. Um, and specifically what I'm thinking about is some of the billboards. They were they were large red billboards and it just said go crazy folks or go crazy. It may have been as simple as go crazy. But it had the the Cardinals logo, it was, you know, like a, a textured T shirt or a uniform in the background. And it was just unveiling that we're the official bank of the, the Cardinals and <clears throat> so that was a lot of fun and for, for a lot of reasons, but you know, I think it had such a wonderful and great and clean look. So so that was a real fun one.
1: Yeah, and how do you how do you you know, we've talked about this in the past. I'm not very good at this either because I don't I don't know that I have the that that mind, but like catching people's attention, you know, we you designed a magazine cover when we did an opioid issue that had this skull and it was on pill you know, it was pills, it was built from from pills and there's a skull and it's a black background, it's just a beautiful thing. Like how do you take risk in marketing and design in a way that catches attention but isn't, like, over over the top. Yeah. You know, that's not just, like, flamboyant to a point where you just want people to see it, but it's poignant enough where it's like, oh, wow, that really stands out.
0: Yeah, I've always believed in you have to capture their attention. Um, really, you're trying to communicate visually, and, th- and that's what I do. That, that is one of the sides I do from a brand standpoint is you have to communicate visually, and you have to have some kind of hook that captures them. And um, I've often told a lot of you just got to hit them in the face, punch them in the face, and capture their attention. Um, but it has to be quality. So once you capture it, you have to be able to pay it off with other things.
1: And the the follow up to that too is expending dollars. I think you know how do you how do you balance? You know I think the 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 idea of you get what you pay for in marketing is kind of is a huge deal. And I think and you I know you and I've experienced this together, but Going cheap on a marketing campaign because you want to save every penny instead of really investing in in um, something that you know is going to work because you have to put you have to put the money in you have to you have to spend some or or resources the time whatever it takes sometimes it's not best to do or most times it's not best to just do it cheap to save money it's you really want to have effectiveness and sometimes it takes resources it takes an, an investment um, how do you how do you interact with people that want to just do something super cheap instead of like Hey, you if you want to be effective, you got to you got to spend some dollars or Well, time. if they
0: if they if they believe in going super cheap, I don't interact
1: with them. <laughs> That's a, well, there's a point.
0: So you know, you got to be able to show and you've got to be able to build the the ROI, the return on investment. And you have to have clientele. You know, fortunately, I can be um, I can choose who I get to work with and if it's an individual who doesn't believe in marketing there's no point um, but there has to be this belief that it's going to do something and you can't just be put your toe in the water and then pull it back out there has to be the belief that this is part of the business model that we have to get we have to find who our client is what they look like we have to deliver a message and we have to continue this brand that goes on and on and on it's just not a season um, and. Um, and the people who believe in that, the companies who believe in that, are the ones I work with. And, and I really enjoy working with them. They understand it. They get it. And so, but then once you get that going, then you look at campaigns and you start looking at what worked, what didn't work, return on investment, those kind of things. And, you know, the fun part is, you know, being able to deliver a message visually is great. But then the flip side, the completely opposite, is the scientific side, and that's being able to look at all the numbers, and crunch the information, and all the data. And, and once you put those two together, then you have something really powerful.
1: That's great. Um, before we before we end the conversation, which thank you so much for spending some time with me. You know, I I think the ideal listener for the risk big podcast is somebody who either wants to take a risk and jump into a business or start a business or do something that they're passionate about. Well, what, what would be some advice you just give up off, off the top of your head to a aspiring entrepreneur or even somebody that's already in business that um, they should consider,
0: you know, when it comes to risk, I would say I believe in taking risks, but I believe even more in taking calculated risks. So the more information you have, the better, but you have to also be careful about analysis paralysis, about analyzing so much you never do anything. And you know, there comes a point where you have to jump. And I think it, you, you mentioned Gabe earlier, we talked about, and, and Justin, I have you interviewed Justin? for. I haven't yours? yet. He no. would be, I'd love got, to, I need to, to yeah. Justin, yeah. But it's this idea that you are, visually you're standing on a cliff and you can see the valley 3,000 feet below you between the spaces of your toes and at some point you've just got to decide to jump. You can analyze it as much as you want but at some point you have to jump, sink or swim. And you know that I think that is something that attracts me so much to entrepreneurs too because they're brave and they're courageous and they're willing to take those risks. Now some people take these risks and they have backers and they have they have safety nets, but the really good ones, they go all or nothing, and they just know they're going to hustle and they're going to make it work until they make it work. And so, um, you know, that's it's, it's a small group, but the rewards are amazingly good. And, and that's the fun. Part. I think that's maybe it's the capitalist side that I love so much is that it's this idea of that you create this environment – until you make it work right, and then you gain the rewards off of it. And so being able to enjoy that, it's, it's just it's so much fun.
1: Yeah. Well, that's terrific. Jace, thanks for the time. I really appreciate you talking to me about your history as an entrepreneur and your creativity, and um, appreciate the time for sure.
0: Well, I want to add one last thing yeah, do that it. your listeners probably don't know is this is what you're passionate about. You love politics, and you're very good at it, the other side that you love is the technology and the podcasting and all this and and you know and it was Gabe and myself and and another great friend and you know we said hey what are you absolutely passionate about outside of politics and and you told us about this whole idea and i'm so encouraged that you're doing it and that hmm. you're doing what you love and you're good at it and so well, it's been I'm, over I'm, a
1: year, by the way, since I've released an episode, so I'm I'm glad yeah, you're back am, on the mic. You month. may
0: increase the frequency a little. <laughs> maybe
1: be maybe be consistent. Maybe as right. an entrepreneur, maybe you should talk about consistency. Consistency <laughs> is an amazingly like good don't thing. Don't take a year off. So
0: many levels. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know this is this is a sweet spot here. This is kind of you finding your freedom, and um, the more you do it, the better you get at it, and the better you get, then people start seeing you as professional. And, and, you know, the synergy just comes around and keeps flowing. And so my encouragement is that you just keep doing it. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful to see.
1: Well, thank you. It is, it's a lot of fun. I have enjoyed it. And, and consistency is, is one one thing I'm not that that hasn't been there. But I really love having these conversations. It's just as fun, especially with my some of my best friends, with you and Gabe, and eventually I uh, want to talk with Kevin. But this is just it's just fun. And when you're doing something, you're passionate about it, it's fun. Um, it, it doesn't feel like work. This doesn't feel like a hard thing for me to sit down and, and talk to you about where you've, you've found success and and you, and you
0: get to share your talents with others. That's that's a fun piece of it, you know, because I, I love to sit down and listen to good podcasts, One yours being one of them. And, uh, and then you just kind of feel like you get to know these other people too. And so you're sharing a, a great gift with other folks, which is a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Well, jays thanks. Appreciate you, man. Yep. It's been great. It was, it was that's, yeah it's Jason Jett what's Who creative that's w-e-t-s-u creative.com you can find him he uh every now and again he uh he tweets he tweet storms uh jet jargon at jet jargon online and I think you have an Instagram thing I don't do you uh probably not let's just stick with the website yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks Jason